Stampede! Gardner is at number 114. It's always been a mystery for why people working in the press, interviewing our politicians in Washington, D.C., never ask this very simple question. How do you propose to resolve our government's nearly $30 trillion debt? Do you have a plan to ever make our government solvent again? Well, I'll tell you why that question is never asked of our politicians, because the people reporting the news and the politicians know it can't be done without an enormous amount of pain. You can't erase 50 years of debt without causing major disruptions, and everybody knows that. So the people reporting the news aren't about to confront our leaders 
about how they're going to correct this problem. In effect, they're complicit in what has happened. They've gone along with what has taken place, and it might be because they know it can't be stopped. And they're waiting like the rest of us for when something will bring it to a conclusion. They're like fish swimming with the current and know there's little purpose in working against the flow. But that makes them complicit. They've gone along without questioning our politicians about how to get our government out from underneath its debt. That's all part of our structural failure. The problem is too big, so it's better to never confront it. Every year when, at the end of September, our legislators must submit a budget for financing our government, and instead of cutting spending, they continue to borrow more, resulting in our politicians disguising what they're doing. The numbers are never real. And this leads to another problem, distrust and the eventual rise of people willing to commit violence against their own government. Willful destruction directed at authority in attempts to weaken the system. You see, you eventually lose the meaning of accepted practices and the very structures you depend upon. Disruptions of all kinds come from a government whose leaders can't be trusted. 
people are naturally skeptical when they're required to live within their own financial means, but see their government borrowing money it can't pay back. It's a commonly held belief in the financial world. If you borrow money, you have to pay it back. If you want to buy a house, you sign an agreement, usually with a bank, to pay back what you've borrowed. Now, if you failed to pay back what you owe, the lender has the right to foreclose on your loan and take possession of the house you've borrowed money to buy. This is, in fact, how the banking system in this country manages to build wealth. A modest two-bedroom house built in California in 1960 for $30,000, if foreclosed by a bank in 1970, now offers a new mortgage to a new buyer for $75,000, reaping the benefits of the down payment and interest paid on the 1960 modest two-bedroom house. I think you get the picture. If you borrow money, you're required to pay it back and the system authorizes a legal structure to get it back. That's the reality that millions of people in this country live by. But when they see our federal government with debt at nearly $30 trillion, without any possibility of repaying that debt, the integrity of a legal authority for everyone is called into question. And some individuals or groups attempt to retaliate against the system by destroying. That's called sabotage. That can happen at all levels of a society. It occurs in a factory with a worker intentionally assembling a defective part to a machine, or to attacking an oil refinery, or to derailing a freight train. Our saboteurs are a direct response to our government having produced a climate of unretrievable economic indebtedness. We are insolvent, and we're becoming more uncertain and dangerous.
Uncertainty isn't what I'd describe the future of America's government. If you think you're immune from what's coming, well, I have a different opinion. We aren't going to build back better, and the prospects of this country being great again doesn't look likely. You don't have to worry about our government defaulting on its nearly $30 trillion debt because our legislators postponed paying for a new budget by passing a continuing resolution. But don't kid yourself. Our government is broke. We're a debtor country, and sometime and somewhere, that's going to come to an end. So our future is not uncertain. It's almost guaranteed. Of course, knowing how our politicians will try to convince the American people of their secure future, they'll devise a new way of papering over the viability of keeping the doors of our government open. After all, they'll tell you of the calamity of what will happen if they don't figure a new way of paying for the government. And let me count the ways the word calamity means. Let's start on the streets of almost every major city in this country. Does calamity describe the thousands of homeless people living on our streets? And is that a calamity before the shutdown of our government? Does calamity describe the largest incarcerated population in the world? And is that a calamity before the shutdown of our government? Does calamity describe our country having our army spread around the world? Does calamity describe our production of weapons to support our economy before the government shutdown? Does calamity describe the daily mass shootings running through the streets of this country before the government shutdown? Does Calamity describe the rising inflation this country will ever see before our government shutdown? Does calamity describe the loss of contentment the American people feel before the government shutdown? Well, the calamity has been around for a long time now with the government open.
it always seems to boil down to money. And you might be surprised to hear our government doesn't operate solely from the money it receives from taxation. No, even Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said in a congressional hearing, there's a gap of $7 trillion in revenue, which makes you think, how does the government operate? Well, I'll tell you, the U.S. Treasury goes to the Federal Reserve Bank and borrows money from it. You're probably wondering, where does the Federal Reserve get its money? Well, I can't answer that, except to say the U.S. government gets to print up nearly as much fiat money it needs to keep going. You might say something like day-to-day, or maybe week-to-week, or even month-to-month, but it remains open to pay the interest on what it's borrowed. It's a little like two street performers juggling, throwing pinballs at each other. The truth of the matter is the federal government can't operate solely from the revenue it collects from taxes and needs to print money. So much so, it calls into question, why does the federal government collect taxes at all? Why not just stop the process of taxation and simply print as much money as needed? Actually, that's what occurred in 2020 during the panic of the pandemic when people stopped working because of COVID. And the government turned around and sent money to everyone. Now, that passes as a real option for economists who are maybe considering starting a new economic system. The government could just pay everybody a check if they can prove they have a job. Forget about being employed by General Motors for working on an assembly line building pickup trucks. General Motors will hire you, but the federal government will issue you a check every week. And guess what? It won't deduct anything from your wages for taxes.
Of course, if our federal government just prints money without constraints and pays every American a check, that could result in some restructuring. The people who worked on Wall Street guaranteeing the wealth of corporations might object to that process. And the pension funds that are invested in the stocks bought and sold on Wall Street, or the corporate bonds issued and held as collateral to assuring the financial strength of the banks. In fact, the process of the federal government becoming the employer of the entire economy would result in a total restructuring of what's going on today. And that would cause a civil war in this country. And if the federal government defeated Wall Street, it would produce something more than a Great Recession or even a Great Depression. The thing about restructuring would open the door to internal conspiracies, bodyguards no longer loyal, assassinations while leaders sleep in their beds, or mass shootings inside the Senate chamber of the Capitol, bombs planted at communication centers, Live news broadcasts interrupted by shooting of broadcasters. Disruptions of the supply of food. The attempt of the federal government to take control of the economy by just printing money for everyone and controlling the military might not be an absurdity. This country hasn't seen the ravages of a civil war in nearly 150 years. And today, it's no exaggeration to say people have seen this coming and are armed to the teeth. An attempt to restructure the debt of this country resulting in an economic crisis would trigger some very ugly consequences. The good times that millions of Americans enjoyed may be ending. Attempts to bring our government's debt under control by declaring a reset in the economy may be very painful.
This week on Garner Isn't You first heard Hans Zimmer's composition, Their War Here. Then Leonard Bernstein's piece from the 1954 movie On the Waterfront, The Accident, followed by another Zimmer composition, Beautiful Lie, and then a shortcut from Their War Here. And finally, two shortcuts from Giorgi Leggetti, Requiem for Mixed Chorus. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.